0: We've been having a miniature spring revival series uh, entitled, as you can see on the screen, His Blood, My Story, patterned after Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they, the saints, overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. We overcome through Jesus and Jesus alone, um, but there's something special that happens when we share what Jesus has done for us in our lives. So if you came Wednesday, or Thursday night, you got to hear Manny's story, some of what God has been doing in his life and what God's been doing in Matthew's life last night. Uh, today, I'm just going to share some of my story. You can't share everything in the time allotted, but I'm going to share uh, at least from one lens, one perspective, how God has been working and leading in my life. Uh, but it's interesting when we share testimonies. A lot of times... We get most excited about the story where the person, you know, went to jail and they they were doing this and they were doing that. And we're sitting, and, and I've been guilty of this myself, I'm sitting in the pew and I'm thinking, my story's not that interesting because, man, I didn't do any of those things. I wasn't stealing cars. I wasn't, you know, in a gang. Man. What good is my story? But you know what's interesting? I have a really good friend. His name's Kevin Sears, and his story is crazy. It's fascinating to listen to. But he says, you know what? Um, Basically, I wish I didn't have all the baggage from all of those things. So basically, what's a testimony? A testimony is as simple as, I was reading my Bible, and I read this verse, and it touched my heart. And I knew God was speaking to me through that verse. That's a testimony. Everybody has a testimony. So I'm going to share a little bit about what God has done for me in my life. I was born um, 1986 and apparently I was born tired. Uh, I was a little heavier back then. Grew up in a wonderful home, uh, just had a an awesome experience growing up, uh, happy kid, happy, happy parents, loved playing in the dirt outside, you know, just the typical kid stuff, right? Uh, raised in a Christian home, uh, would go to Sabbath school every week. My parents were both Sabbath school teachers. In fact, I have that same Bible in my office still, still have that little Bible. Uh, so... So I was blessed and privileged to have an awesome start to my life. Uh, and I can't take any credit for that, right? You know, they say that for, for kids to turn out well, there are three critical ingredients. And you, you need to have at least two out of the three uh, for them to, to grow and develop well. I mean, there are exceptions. This is just a general observation. But there's home life, church life, and what happens at school. If you have a good home, solid home, Christian values, worship in your home, modeled Christian experience in the life of the parents, that's one factor. Uh, Your church, if you have a good supporting church family, super important. Uh, And then the school is also important, too. Uh, Many of us who were blessed with Christian or even Adventist education can testify to the blessings of that. Not not that you can't be blessed in the public system, you certainly can. Uh, But these are some important factors, and I was blessed to have all three of those factors in my life. And I really credit my parents to modeling Christianity to me. My parents were both converted Christians. They didn't just go to church because they had to, they went to church because they wanted to, and they knew they needed Jesus. So from a young age, I was super blessed with that. Super blessed. Uh, I grew up and was a normal kid. That was a dress-up day for, for high school, uh, like you do. Uh, I look back at that and I say, man, that's so embarrassing. Um, But I I was super blessed. One of the things that touched my life early on was every morning when I would wake up, I knew my dad had already been up. He'd already been spending time reading his Bible and spending time praying. I would see the light coming from the closed living room door and I knew that my dad would be in there and his devotions were probably long gone or maybe he still was having them. But that made a difference in my life. And I just have to think, Man, when I become a parent, it's going to be a big responsibility. Those of you who are currently parents, do your kids catch you reading their reading your Bible? Do they notice you in times of prayer? Uh, Kids are watching, and if you want your kids to be spiritual people, you need to be a spiritual person yourself. I was blessed to have that in both my mom and my dad. I think, man, how did I get so blessed, right? So many of you know what I'm talking about. Growing up in a wonderful home, when, when maybe your best friends or your friends at school didn't have that same opportunity. But for whatever reason, that's the home I grew up in. I uh, was, was able to, to do a lot of my early passions. My dad took me skiing. started when I was six years old, snow skiing. And I just fell in love with it. And we would go... Uh, Every winter, get excited about it. My dad was a ski racer when he was young. He he competed, and he won medals, and all sorts of things. Um, So I loved skiing. We would do that together. And I just got so much joy from doing those types of activities. In the summertime, we'd go camping. We'd go camp on this island in the middle of a big lake, Priest Lake, Idaho. We had ski boats, and I learned to water ski, and we would tube, and we would... Just have so much fun and got so much joy from all of those activities. Hanging out with my cousins, playing games, playing Monopoly there, camping with the lantern in the center of the table. Many of you know what that's like. Just was so blessed and so privileged and had so many things to bring me joy in my early childhood. Eventually, I, I later on became a ski teacher One winter, I got up 60-some times that season, had a lot of fun, a lot of joy from that. Um, But when I was 10 years old, I heard about these meetings that were going on in our church. It was called Net 96, one of the early Net series. Did any of you attend any of those meetings? Okay, so this was back when satellite and these types of things were a big deal. And so they had one speaker, one evangelist, his name, do any of you remember who was Net 96? Mark Finley, that's right. He was preaching somewhere else, and then hundreds of churches, maybe even thousands, were watching the satellite feed um, in their local churches. And I went, and this was my first experience with evangelism and prophecy seminars. And I heard the messages night after night, and it started to stir something in my heart. I saw Daniel chapter 2 and I realized, man, the Bible can be trusted. The prophecy shows us that God knows the future. Amen. And I saw evidence for the Sabbath. And even though I'd been raised going to church on Saturday, I said, wow. I wasn't just raised with cunningly devised fables. <laughs> I wasn't just raised in a cultural experience. I saw, man, this is the day. This is God's day and I was blessed by that. And I saw the other prophecies and I learned that Jesus is coming back and he's going to wrap things up and all the details that go into that. And something began to stir in my heart more and more. There there came a night when there was an appeal made. And I forget, there probably was a card passed out. I'm going to pass a card out later. Uh, at the end of this message. But there was a card passed out and it had some options on it. And I marked the decision for baptism because I knew I wanted to follow Jesus, I wanted to give my life to Jesus. Some deeper joy had been stirring in my heart. There were 26 meetings. I went to every single one of them. Got a Bible. I I wish I still had that Bible. I was shipping my books back from from Tennessee when I graduated college and one of the boxes burst and the Bible fell out and so I lost the Bible and in its place when they were putting the boxes back together again they put another package and it was a a swimming suit a lady's swimming suit and we called the 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 address and the number on this on the package and the lady said no that's not my swimming suit so somehow we got someone else's label on someone else's package and my Bible was gone But that's all right. I have other Bibles. It was a good Bible, though. So at the end of those meetings, I said, yes, I want to give my life to God. I want to be baptized. That fall, it was the Thanksgiving after, or it was the Sabbath right after Thanksgiving. Um, Ten years old. Pretty young, but I knew enough. And I knew I wanted to give my life to God. And I was baptized. And it was just such a wonderful time and such great joy. I hoped, after my baptism, I would never sin again. (laughs) You're laughing because you understand the reality of the Christian walk, right? You know, God, I've got a clean record. It's wiped clean. Now I just want to maintain that. And I walked the line for a little bit, but then I fell. But I learned God forgives us and cleanses us if we confess our sins, right? And I learned that that even after you're baptized, there's no magic in the water that instantly makes you holy. It's a process. What does it say? Sanctification is the process of a what? A lifetime. Christian growth occurs throughout a lifetime. So even though I was baptized, I still had struggles. I still had temptations. I still had issues in my life. But I knew that I wanted to follow God. And then one day in high school, I'm in Pathfinders. I'm at a camporee. You ever been on a camporee before? Yeah, our adventurers are gone on a camp out. We're going right after church to go join them and hike, go on a hike with them. Um... We missed them today. But I was on this camporee, and I remember sitting there in my seat in a big stadium. I'm there with my Pathfinder friends. I'm a teenager. already been baptized. But again, the preacher was appealing to us, and they passed out a decision card, much like the one I'll pass out at the end of this message. And I was looking at it, and one of the, one of the, the spots on that card said... I want Jesus to be my best friend. Now, I had already chosen to get, I'd already been baptized, right? Just because you're baptized doesn't mean you always want Jesus to be your best friend. And I was in a time of wrestling and struggling in my heart. And as I looked at that, I thought, because I've grown up in a Christian home, in an Adventist home, I know what the right answer is. I know intellectually the answers, but my heart wasn't in that place. It's like the young boy in school or kindergarten or whatever. uh, A big blob was, a blob of ink was shown to the kids. Hey, kids, what does this look like? One of those psychology things. And the little boy raised his hand and he said, well, it looks to me like a squirrel but I know the answer has to be Jesus, <laughs> because we're so programmed. We, we know the answer. It's Jesus. Yes. Th- but is it in our heart? And so as I sat there, I thought, my heart says, I'm not in a point where I can check that box. But my head said, Steve Meeharry, my Pathfinder leader, friend of my parents is going to look at all the cards, and what is he going to think if John Tillay doesn't want Jesus as his best friend? And so I checked the box, but just because I knew that was the right thing to do, not because my heart was in it. Maybe some of you can identify with that. You know, we, we've got this reputation. We've got to keep it. So even if you're struggling inside, even if you've got a lot of issues in your life, Don't let people know. No, what would they think of me? I'm a deacon in this church. Well, I teach Sabbath school. I attend this. What would they think if they knew that I wasn't like them, that I wasn't perfect like them? As we talked about the last couple of nights as testimonies were shared, we realized, again, we all have challenges in our life. Amen? We all have struggles. We all go through times of doubt. We all have sin that we have to choose on a regular basis against. And we all have sin that we fall into. My dream for church is that this can be a place where we feel comfortable and safe to share and pray for one another and help each other out. So I made that decision, but it wasn't really a decision. Uh, Time goes on, and I'm happy to say that today, yeah, I want that. I want Jesus as my best friend. But just because you've been baptized, just because you're a Christian, just because you're coming to church, doesn't mean that you don't always have, doesn't mean that you have it all together all the time. Most of the time, we don't. (laughs) Praise God, if if you start feeling a little too good, then watch out, you're about to fall. That's how it is in my own experience. So, I'm I'm in my freshman year of, of high school, it's coming to an end, I'm looking at my summer, it's about the age where you're starting to think, okay, what do I want to do with my summer? You know, other than just hang out and play with my friends and go swimming and stuff. And I said, God, what do you want me to do? And an opportunity came to participate in a program called Youth for Jesus. It was a program that got teenagers, like myself, all together in one spot in a big city. Uh, We went to Atlanta, Georgia that summer, and we helped basically assist Bible workers put on an evangelistic meeting. We were on the the campus of Georgia Tech um, in a nice auditorium. David Asherick was a young preacher. He was speaking for the meetings, and we went out knocking on doors. We'd pass out flyers. We'd go along for Bible studies. Uh, In fact, this was my mentor, Jeffrey Rosario. Some of you probably remember or know that name. But, man, it was so much fun. And I started to experience a deeper joy than what I'd experienced in my skiing, or in my water skiing, or in my camping, or in hanging out with friends, or watching sports. I started to experience the joy of seeing People come to know Jesus, knowing my efforts were helping make a difference. I still love skiing, but I knew at the end of the day, skiing, you've had a fun time, but what have you contributed to the kingdom of God? And I started in Youth for Jesus realizing, man, there are people who are open to the gospel, but we just need to tell them. They need to hear it. And when they hear it, many of them will respond. And we saw people getting baptized. It was such a powerful experience. The next summer, I went back. This time, it was in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, Worthington Foods is there. We'd drive past, and we'd smell the veggie meat in the air. Ah, (laughs) as we'd drive by. And it was interesting. In in Columbus, I sat on a bus one day. We were going out to tour, tour the Amish country on one of our days off. And I was sitting next to a young pastor named Nathan Renner. And he was one of those evangelists. And we were talking about rock climbing because I'd started getting into climbing, another thing that brought me joy in life. And little did I know that like 12 years later, I would be his associate pastor in Sonora, working together and climbing together and hanging out together. Uh, so it was interesting how, how God led in that sense. But again, as I experienced the joy of seeing souls come to Jesus, it was a deeper joy than the joy that I got from rock climbing, the joy that I got from snow skiing, the joy that I got from watching something uh, or doing you know, activities. It was a lasting joy. And as I came home, I knew, man, my life can't be the same. I've learned too much and I've seen too much. What am I gonna do with what I've been given? And like many of you, you probably have that wrestle in your heart. Because maybe you feel God calling you to do something, but you don't want to do it. Has that happened to you before? Or maybe God calls you to do something, but you're scared. And usually when we're scared, then we come up with all sorts of excuses. I heard God saying to me, John, there are people in your neighborhood that need to know about me, so go learn this, use the skills you've learned, knock on their doors, and ask for Bible studies. One of the excuses I gave was, well, if I did that, what if I get too many studies, then I won't have time to study with everybody. So might as well not do it. (laughs) Believe me, don't let that hold you back. Number one, it probably won't happen, but if it does, I'll help you out, okay? (laughs) So I've got your back. Uh, And I felt kind of like Jeremiah, Jeremiah 20. 9 and 10. Jeremiah was called from a young age, but there were times in, in his writings where he, he argues with God. This one time where he says, God, you tricked me. Why did you do this? And, and, and Jeremiah, he said um, there in verse nine or 8 and 9, whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. So the wor- word of the Lord has brought me insult and reproach all day long. God, I don't want to do this. People will reject me. God, I don't want this. Jeremiah felt that. And he said, But if I say I will not mention his word or speak his name anymore, his word is in my heart like a fire. A fire shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. So, you know, as much as I would try to repress these feelings, God's word in my heart was like a fire. And I knew I had to let it out. I had to share it. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life this conviction I need to witness to my neighbor. I need to share something with my coworker. It's like a fire in your heart. Don't quench that fire, let it out and see what the blaze of the gospel will do. See what God will do. I had opportunities. I started getting invitations to speak for Vespers or for this or for that. People started saying, hey, that was good. I, I enjoyed what you said. Hey, maybe God's calling you to be a minister. Started getting some confirmation along the way. And it was really cool to see how God was leading and God was working. But honestly, um, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. There were thoughts in my, in my mind about being a, like an engineer, civil engineer, Thought about that. Prior to that, I was thinking about being a carpenter. It's fun working with your hands, building things, designing things. But gradually, I started to realize that the joy of Jesus, the joy of God's salvation, was greater than these other joys. And I realized that I wouldn't be fulfilled in my life if I didn't have more opportunities to participate in it. Not that God calls us all to be ministers, God calls us to different jobs. One of my early witnessing buddies in in Walla Walla is is a plumber. And man, that guy does more ministry than a lot of pastors, I think. He's in people's homes all the time, helping them, and then he's constantly having opportunities to share. Yeah, he's passing them things. He's inviting them to events. He's going out, passing out glow. He's doing these things. And so... So God, in my particular case, was calling me to full-time ministry. Um, But in all of our cases, he's called all of us to um, witness for him. Had some opportunities to go overseas and preach. My first evangelistic meeting, first prophecy seminar I ever spoke for was in the Dominican Republic. I was 17 years old, preaching in this church, and it was just such an awesome experience. At the end of that experience, I remember one night a lady came to me after we'd had baptisms, and through an interpreter, she said to me, John, the reason I got baptized was because of you. Now, I don't share that to say, hey, look at me what I did. Uh, And She did it because of Jesus, but she was just basically saying, thank you so much for coming down here because I wouldn't have been baptized if this event hadn't have gone on, and if someone like you hadn't have been speaking and so again, it, it showed me that there are people in this world that are open and are ready and what joy it is when God uses broken people like me, like you, to reach them. It's a joy that has eternal good. You know, the Bible talks about joy. I wrote down some verses that deal with joy. I'll just, I'll just quote them to you here. Psalm 16, verse 11 In your presence is fullness of what? Joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If we want joy in our life, God's presence is where we need to go. And where is God? God is doing good, seeking to reach people in our world. David, after he sinned, he wrote Psalm 51. And he says there, Restore unto me the what of your salvation. The joy, after his sin, he'd separated himself so much from God, he said, God, there's joy with you. I want to be connected to you. Jesus said on a couple of occasions, these things I have told you so that you might have joy and your joy might be full. And so I realized, even though God gives us passions for different things and activities in life, I realized that those things in themselves didn't have full joy. They didn't have lasting joy. And I realized, if just one person comes to Jesus through God using me, that person is going to live in heaven forever. That's joy that lasts forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. My dad said to me, John, if one person is saved, they'll live forever forever their lifespan will be greater than all of the lifespan of every single person who's lost in the entire world, in the entire history of the world. They'll have more experience and more joy than all the joy of all the people who reject God. That stuck in my mind. Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, and you are complete in him. I realized if I want completeness in my heart, if I want true joy, it has to come through Jesus and through working for Jesus. Eventually, God called me gradually, kind of a gradual settling in, to go full-time towards theology, towards becoming a pastor. Um, Along that journey, I felt God calling me to participate in Youth Rush, what Manny and Matthew lead out in in the summertime. I'd already done a summer uh, of that in Washington, and I was thinking, God, I don't want to go down to California and knock on doors and offer books on a donation basis. God, I don't don't want, like Matthew was saying, it's hard that second time around, uh, because you know what you're getting into. But you know what? God... In calling us towards his joy, it's not always our first choice, right? It's not always that he calls us to minister at Six Flags by riding all the the rides and, you know, that's what your calling is. Witnessing while you're next to people on the roller coasters, which you should do. Oftentimes, God calls us to places initially we wouldn't choose for ourselves, have you experienced that before? Amen. But when you go, you have a greater and deeper and fuller joy than you could have possibly had if you'd ignored the call. So I said, yes, Lord, I'll go. Where am I assigned? Bakersfield. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Slept in the upper room of the academy there with a, with a good old-fashioned uh, swamp cooler at nighttime to cool us down. <laughs> But it was powerful. God did as much ministry in my own heart as he did in the people who I met at the doors. And I realized again, man, there are books in people's homes that never would have been in their home had I not been willing to go forward. Met a lady who was dying of cancer. She only had six months to live and she made Uh, decisions to accept Bible studies uh, and bought some powerful books. We wouldn't have been there had it not been for the circumstances that I could tell you later that had happened that day. I saw God working and I experienced the joy of salvation. Little did I know, my decision actually to go where I didn't want to go would become important because Fast forward, I'm now a senior at Southern Adventist University, I'm starting to really look for jobs, I'm getting interviews with different conferences, and Central California Conference, turns out, was looking for somebody to join a traveling youth ministry team. That's the conference that that we're in, the conference I'd worked in doing literature evangelism. And I interviewed, and the conference president goes back to his meetings and And they're trying to decide, okay, what do we want to do? Do we want to hire this guy? Who do we want to hire? And my boss's boss, Bill Crick, who was the director of literature ministries at that time, was in that meeting. And he said, ah, John Tillet, he worked for us. You should hire him. And And there were other friends in that meeting, people who I'd met and people who I'd been able to interact with when I had worked here in this conference. And they said, yes, hire him. I praise God for, for, for good recommendations. But I wouldn't have been hired, probably, if it hadn't have been for saying yes previously. And so I saw that not only is there great joy in following God's will, but it also opens the doors for other opportunities that you wouldn't have had if you'd said no. So we should always say yes to Jesus. Long story short, they hired me, they brought me on, I worked for three years doing youth ministry, traveling around the conference. Uh, That's where I first met Manny and Matthew. And I got to meet a lot of other people. And I got to see more people give their lives to Jesus, to the glory of God. And I experienced more joy. You know, ministry isn't always easy. Uh, As your job, whatever your job is or or was or position in life, it's not always easy easy. But if we submit our will to God, we can have greater joy than we could possibly have. You know, a lot of times I think, I think we misrepresent the world. We, we kind of give young people the idea that there's no joy in the world. when there is. There's a lot of joy in the world. But, but the question that we have to ask is, what quality of joy is it? The activities of the world, the sinful pleasures of this world, they're joyful for a time. But the joy fades, and the reality of consequences eventually sinks in. And what I found in my life so far is, sure, there's joy out there, and sure, I've made a lot of mistakes. But when I follow Jesus, and when I submit my will to him, he gives me a greater joy possible than I can have In any of those things. And you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced it also. I want to share one more verse uh, before I tell a story as we begin to wrap it up. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. You're welcome to turn there if you'd like. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, perfecter of our faith, who for the what? The joy sat before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did Jesus physically want to go on the cross? Or mentally? No. Not emotionally. He didn't want to do it. But there was something ahead of him and it was called joy. And so he submitted his will to the Father's will. You know what the joy was that Jesus experienced that was ahead of him? It was the joy of seeing you and me accept his sacrifice and be saved. On that cross, as he was hanging there, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me and he said, you know what? I don't want to do this but it's going to be so good in the end. Talk about the ultimate delayed gratification, right? He knew it was going to be worth it, and so he was thinking about us. You and your life, me and my life, when we make decisions to follow Jesus, we can have that same joy by thinking back to our Savior and looking forward to the people who he can use us to reach by saying, yes, Jesus, I'll go for you. I'll share my faith with others for you. I'll start praying for people on a regular basis for you. God, I will go where you want me to go. And imagine the great joy we'll have in heaven. Someday when Jesus returns, he takes us back to heaven. And we get to heaven and someone comes up to us and says, hey, Remember me? And we say, I'm sorry, I honestly have no idea who you are, because we won't lie in heaven. (laughs) yes, good to see you. Who are you? And they'll say, you gave me that glow track. You invited me to those meetings. You were my neighbor, and I saw you getting dressed up every Saturday, going to church, and, and I started to wonder, so I got on Google, and I don't know what the stories will be, you gave me Bible studies, you prayed for me, and now I'm here, in part because of what you did. You know what we're going to feel in that moment, joy, everlasting joy, they will be our neighbor forever. They'll say, I was going down a slippery slope in life, but you came along, and I was mean to you at first. But then I started to listen and think about what you said later on. Joy can be ours. That's what keeps us going forward. That's what kept Jesus on the cross. There was a man named Jim. Jim had this similar passion that you and I do, passion for seeing souls come to Jesus. And he knew that down in South America, or Central, um, he knew that there were many tribes that were lost. People who didn't know about Jesus, never heard about Jesus. In fact, they'd never really even interacted with modern civilization. And so God sent him, along with some other missionary families, down to Ecuador. Ecuador. They were seeking to reach a tribe of people called the Akas. Uh, Maybe some of you have read the book or seen this film uh, about their experience. The Akas were a very uh, violent and warring tribe of people. And it was very, very difficult to try and make this first contact. But they decided that the way they were going to go about it was they had this plane. They were going to start just doing flyovers over the village. And they, they realized, you know, if we fly in a circle, as basically as slow as we can go, if we fly in a circle and we have a long rope and a bucket on the end of the plane, that bucket will pretty much stay in the, in the center of this big circle. And so they would put some gifts to give to the villagers as they would fly over on these regular uh, encounters, hoping that they would take them, which they, they started doing, and realized that they were friendly, that they didn't mean them any harm. So, time and time again, they were flying over the village. These are the actual men, there's Jim there uh, on the right. And they got to a point where they felt like they had made sufficient efforts by plane. And there was a a narrow uh, strip of sand on the river there, in the jungle, and the guy said, I think I can land the plane on that strip of land. I think it's time for us to make contact with these people. The Akkas need to hear about Jesus. They need to experience the joy. And so they made that landing. And they get out of the plane. And the jungle, you know, is dense and green. And, but, but after some time, they start to see figures emerging. And they're nervous. And they're, they're just trying to, to show them we mean you no harm. But sadly, in that moment, the, the chief, Gwekwita Wewe, made a call. And all of a sudden, these nine foot spears come flying through the air. And all five of those young men, missionaries, uh, were impaled and they fell down and they died. And it was a tragedy. Um, a very, very tragic situation. But what was even more powerful was that the, the ladies and the families who were left behind, who now didn't have their husband, their father, they said, no, we have to stay here. We have to keep trying because Jesus has saved us. These people need to know they need to be saved too. And so they stayed there. And little by little, the Aka people began to realize these strange-looking people don't mean us any harm. And as you know, for those of you who know the story, eventually that tribe began to know about Jesus, began to welcome the people into the village. The chief who had ordered uh, his warriors to kill them, Gokuita, He gave his life to Jesus. He was baptized. Jim's son got to grow up and meet the man who had killed his father and forgave the man because of the joy of Jesus that had impacted his life. What's powerful about this story, well, there are so many things that are powerful about the story, but in Jim's journal, not too long before he died, he wrote this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You're no fool for giving up what you can't keep. In other words, our life is brief. It's momentary. Our treasure, our talent, our time. We don't have it forever. But we can give it to Jesus. We can give it in his service. And in the process, there will be eternal gain. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What do we give? We give our heart first and foremost. And then we say, God, I want to give you my will. Take it and use it. And may other people know the joy of Jesus too. Someday soon, um, the Lord's going to return. And I can't wait to see the look on Jim and his friends' faces When he sees the people that killed them in the kingdom. I can't wait to see the look on everybody's face who's there. And I want to be a part of that. I want you to be a part of that. Everybody has something they can give. But first, it starts with giving our hearts. And then we say, God, what else? What else can I give? I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever God might be saying to you. I'm going to have our deacons pass these cards out now. Um, It's always good when we have a message like this to, to see how we can respond to whatever Jesus is saying. He may be saying something completely different to each one of us. Last time we passed out cards like these, two people said, yes, I want to be baptized. In fact, one of them is going to be baptized on June 9, and the other one very soon also. We may even have some baptisms next Sabbath, unless it's been rescheduled. So we have about six people in the near future who are going to be baptized. So on this card, as you're getting them, deacons will be passing them out. It has some different options for how God might be speaking to you, or maybe it's something completely different today. At the top, it says, His blood, my story. Option number one, it says, I want Jesus' blood to cover and cleanse my life. If, again, you want to make that commitment and decision to let Jesus cover you and cleanse you once again today, then please mark that, make that decision Number two, says, I want to allow Jesus to daily complete my life. Maybe you're trying to find completion and joy in, in things that aren't capable of giving that lasting and full and eternal joy that Jesus offers. Today, you've been reminded again, yes, only Jesus gives us full and complete joy, and he gives meaning to the other things in our life, increases our joy. You can mark the second line. You can mark any and all of these Number three is one where you get to be creative. It says, I plan to share Jesus with others by, and then it's got a blank. Whatever. By going on GLOW today, by going to the spiritual friends class and learning how I can be a better spiritual friend. Or by learning how to give Bible studies. By figuring out how I can be a witness to my neighbors. Uh, Whatever God puts in your heart. By starting to pray every single day by certain people in my life. Number four, maybe you're starting to think about baptism, rebaptism. You can check that box. We want to prepare you for that awesome and important day. Number five, perhaps you've already been baptized by, by immersion, by all the way under the water. But you're interested in officially joining this church, the Seventh-day Adventist Church by What we call profession of faith. Uh, and that's basically where you, you look at the, our beliefs and you say, Yeah, I believe that too. Yeah, I, I line up with what that says also. Or you learn about our beliefs and, and you say, Yeah, I, I, I believe that too. So it's similar to a baptism, but you just you don't get in the water. <laughs> and we welcome you in through fellowship like that. If you want more information or if you want to learn about that, don't put this decision off. Make your choice. Reaffirm your choice. And of course, please put your name, your phone number so we can have a way to contact you and rejoice in what God has done in and through your life. We'll give you just a few moments here to fill it out. When you're done with it, you can turn it over and we're going to pass them to the outsides in just a couple minutes and our deacons will collect them If you have a prayer request or something else you want to express, something you want to share with me, or whatever the case might be, feel free to write on the back side whatever God is saying to you. I've never regretted decisions I've made to follow Jesus. But I have regretted decisions that I didn't make in following Jesus. So what's he saying to you today? Whatever it is, respond and say yes. And you'll experience greater joy, the joy of salvation, the joy of Jesus. Give you just another few moments to finish filling out the cards before we pray and collect them. At this time, I'm going to have a prayer. If you're not done filling it out, you can continue even after we pray. After we pray, we'll ask you to pass them. You can just go face down or whatever, or fold it up. We'll pass them to the outsides. Our deacons will collect them, uh, and then we'll be dismissing. So let's bow our heads at this time. Dear Father, I'm certainly not a perfect person. I'm not complete. I'm still under construction, and will always be until you return. But I'm just grateful that in spite of myself, You have been good. And I'm so grateful today that you offer us new opportunities every day to experience joy in your salvation and joy through helping others to know about you. I pray for each decision that's been made for you today. Bless those of us who may still be struggling and unsure. And I pray you'll continue to lead and guide and and help us not to put these things off but may we say, yes, I will follow you wherever you lead. Lord, someday soon we pray that you'll come back, and we pray that we'll be in your kingdom. We thank you that by grace and through your faith, we are. Uh, And we pray that many others, through our influence and you working in us, will be there too. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You can just fold your card, turn it over, pass it to the outsides. Our deacons will come along and collect them at this time. Or if you want to hand it to me directly, you're welcome to do that too.